0: All right, what's going on, Chase? What's going on, man? Finally got it. Yeah,
1: no worries. So, uh, finally got the schedule to work out. Sorry for earlier today, but uh, looks like it's going to work out.
0: No, you're good. It kind of helped, honestly, because we got a rush of tires right after. It was, like, during lunch break, so all the Superbike guys and everything were, like, changing tires. We probably had, like, 20 sets at the time uh, so
1: moto right now for the moto america test
0: yep it's uh warhorse yamaha and indians out here right now
1: oh nice got some baggers.
0: yep and then there's a ducati hooligan out here i have no idea who's riding it but one of my buddies is helping mechanic on it so
1: nice very good. Well, welcome to the Racing.com podcast, episode 136 with Chase Black. So thanks for coming on and talking to me for about an hour or so today.
0: Oh, no problem, man. <laughs> I got nothing else to do anyway. I'm probably going to play iRacing if I'm not doing this. Perfect. So. So,
1: uh, so tell everybody, for people who don't know you yet, but they will soon, um, tell me about your racing career. Start from the beginning. I know you've been racing for like the majority of your life.
0: Yeah, pretty much, like, Dad was a big motocross guy. He rode Supercross, motocross, like, like qualified for nationals. He didn't make a main event in Supercross, though. He made the heat races in the night show, but he couldn't make the main event. But I got into motocross when I was two and a half, and just nothing serious, just, like, riding all the time, that kind of thing. Dad was still, like doing motocross trying not to hurt himself but um when did I start I think I was 10 when I started road racing I kind of quit dirt bikes like eight or nine like it started to get slower like school and just life and stuff but then we got on street bikes when I was 10 and I got last literally every race (laughs) it was bad at the start (laughs) but We've been getting better, like, it took, like, a year and a half, I think. I got my first win at, like, Minis on the Ovali.
1: A little bit of
0: transition time from
1: uh, dirt bikes to street bikes.
0: Oh, yeah. Honestly, it's been fairly quick, honestly, because I got on the Junior Cup bike, and I wasn't that far off. It just was... Trusting the tires at first, like when I first got on a street bike, that was the main thing.
1: But it was actually system. nice.
0: Yeah, but it was actually nice. Like it wasn't like I was a complete noob. Like actually won some motocross races, like like super mini kind of stuff. So, like, like not good on a street bike, but it wasn't like I didn't know how to ride a motorcycle at all. So right. that helped a lot, and it's helping a lot now. Like, I feel like I have a lot of rear tire control. Like, I can slide it around the corner a lot, and it doesn't feel that uncomfortable for me. It just kind of happens. Like, bumpy tracks, I I go really fast at because I don't really care about the bumps like other people.
1: Yeah. You're more used to it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, like Road Atlanta, Brainerd are big ones that I do good at because they're really bumpy tracks, too. Do you
1: think uh, if they got repaved, you would struggle there now?
0: Honest, I, I don't think it's the fact that I'll struggle. I feel like it's the fact that others won't struggle kind of thing. Because, you they, know, they see like, the like a big do. dip in turn one in Atlanta. Yeah. They see like a big dip in turn one in Atlanta, and they like let off a little bit, but I'm just wide open the whole time. So you just think absolutely that, uh,
1: that dirt gives you more confidence to uh, – Struggle or handle difficult situations, difficult tracks.
0: Yeah, I would still like. I'm definitely not as good as like Jay Gagne. He's a menace. His bike is moving around the whole time. He's crazy. Just watching him right now, like it's nuts. But I feel like it was a good starting point, like yeah. at somewhere to base off of.
1: So after you get a about a year or so into road racing, you're on now junior cups. So is at like 300 cc?
0: type of thing? Yep. I'm on a 400, but yeah, there's an R3, and then there's a 390 out there, but the rest is 400s, and then next year, we're going to try, if our bank account allows it, we're going to try and move up to Supersport and race some type of 600. We don't know yet, honestly. Depends on the team, because we have a couple, like, Ducati shops around our house that we've known for like a decade but like current team is riding Jixers, so like could go or i could just ride an r6 or my 636 like it literally could go any direction is there so, a preferred but,
1: brand that you have for the for the motorcycle for this uh, super sport class do you care what uh, manufacturer you're on
0: Honestly, right now, I'm looking at Ducati just because I love the bike. My favorite bike I've ever ridden right now is the 959. It was one of my dad's buddies, like $30,000, $40,000, like decked out 959. I rode it at Coda. It was so fun. It was awesome.
1: So leaning towards Ducati, but it sounds like you've been on a bunch of different bikes or different manufacturers so far with the Kawasaki
0: Yeah, I haven't been on the Jixxer yet, but that's just what my team is running. I'm sure I'll get on it at some point, but I've been on my 636 a decent bit. I've been decent on it, but like setup is hard to find on the big bikes, honestly, is the main thing. And the tires, too, that's a big one because I rode out there. I was doing 203s at Eagles Canyon, 203.5. And then we threw a super soft tire on, I instantly dropped a two hundred two zero. That's a big mm-hmm. thing for me. That nice was job. really weird. Yeah, because on the 400, it doesn't really matter. Like, your grip goes away, it just kind of moves a bit more, but it doesn't really do anything. You're wide open the whole time anyway.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: So, but the 600, you lose grip and you just can't go at all. So set up, we're still trying to dial in on my 636, but we're getting there slowly but but surely.
1: The grip falls off really quickly because you got how much more horsepower, like 80 horsepower more? Mm
0: -hmm. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Especially because we're in Texas, too. It absolutely obliterates the tires. With the heat? Like, oh, Yeah. I, re- I put that super soft compound on, they were literally shattered in like three laps. Like I yeah. dropped two seconds, like after three laps or maybe four, like I already got, like I already gained two seconds again. Like I was um, back to 203.
1: Is that considered like a qualifying tire or is that available for normal race use?
0: No, that this one's available. Yeah. I forgot what it was. I think it might've been the R3. Okay. Tire Dunlop. It was just the soft, softest possible compound that you could buy from Dunlop. Yeah. Um.
1: And do you like that? Uh, that brand of tire, Dunlop. Do you wish there uh, it would be an open class, open tire class, or do you like having a spec series?
0: Um, I honestly wish it was open, but I like Dunlops. Honestly, I'm not a big fan of Pirelli. I like Dunlop's because I just like it super stiff so like when it moves like I'm about to crash (laughs) kind of thing so I know when I'm on the limit if that makes sense I don't like it moving around a whole lot being super squishy like the Pirelli is and I haven't tried anything else really because that's all we really have access to out here because I'm sponsored by Dunlop now like I got a contract, so I can't even ride anything else if I wanted to. I got gotcha. you. But I wish it was open class. I think it would bring a lot more money into Moto America as well, like having a Pirelli sponsor and Dunlop sponsor, Bridgestone, Michelin. I've heard Michelins are really good. I've yet to try those, but I've been wanting to.
1: Yeah, that's the uh, main tire that I was on was the Michelin, the Power Cups. Um, They're a great tire. I mean, you just get used to whatever you're, you're given,
0: right? Yeah. Yeah. I just kind of ride anything. It's one of my biggest downfalls, honestly. <laughs> the whole time I'm at the track, I'd be like, it's just a skill issue. Like I need to go faster and I won't do like bike setup at all. And then we're like, oh, let's just try bike setup. And then I drop two seconds instantly. Yeah. Like yeah, it's amazing I how that my works. Back... I know. I hold my I've been better at it this year. This year I've been diving into bike setup with Dustin, the team owner, because he is really fast like he's a good rider too so i can explain it in like rider terms like he's crazy fast he just broke a track record like he rode two laps of practice and then broke the track record at eagles canyon here
1: damn
0: it's he's (laughs) wicked fast. it's unbelievable like he was he beat jake lewis when he won sock 1000 championship he beat jake lewis at a club race (laughs) like he's crazy
1: so I think it's definitely important to be able to ride around bike issue, bike setup problems, to be able to have that skill to just ride it anyways and just adapt. But I think at some point when you are a professional racer and you're just searching for hundreds of seconds, you do need to also focus on you know suspension tuning and tire pressures and you know all the little minute changes, millimeters here and there on ride height or geometry that you can change. I think that's important too.
0: Yeah, for sure. That was the downfall last year, and we started diving into it more with Kent was my suspension guy last year. I liked him a lot, honestly. He was just a bit too numbers for me. He was like pure data, and I kind of went off feeling, so some of the changes we made would be like the totally opposite direction. With Dustin, though, we made like one bad change the whole season. And yeah. It was just a couple clickers, and we just put them back. But every change we made had been better, so that's good. I enjoy it, too. and I don't know what might happen too because we've been talking to K Tech for Pittsburgh, and we might go to the Weir race to test because I'm rolling uh Olin's Forks and a Penske Rear, what Rocco ran. But K Tech really wants to sponsor us, so that might help us having actual k-tech help us and not just us and what we feel
1: <laughs> right yeah having a professional in your pit crew is uh is so valuable
0: oh yeah because he was helping me because loic arvo our uh, french superbike rider that subbed in for super sport because we wanted to make a good showing for the european guy so we had like k-tech guys come over the whole time and then i was just sitting there and they were kind of helping me <laughs> yeah but but it's super nice honestly (laughs) because it's just my dad and then dustin basically like it's been really good but the k-tech guy like knows k-tech like every little thing
1: right certified uh, technician with it
0: yeah yeah honestly it's kind of weird my dad has been doing setup too it's honestly pretty close to motocross it's really strange like The geometry is different, obviously, but, like, suspension clickers, it's all the same as motocross. Like, he just literally thinks about it like he would a dirt bike, and it works. That's what we did at Brainerd, and it worked. Yeah. Like, it's super weird.
1: So, uh, tell everybody how you've been doing this year and your finishes and uh, uh, trials and tribulations, all that stuff.
0: Uh, Honestly, this season has not been the greatest, to be completely honest. I've... Like mainly, it's been me, honestly. Like, bad performances for me, like bad racecraft, just not getting it done kind of thing. But we had the pace every weekend, like Road Atlanta. I led race one. I had like a 710th gab going on the back straight. But then the 400s just draft you. So I got like fifth, I think, the first race. It's not terrible. And then though. second. Yeah, that's not terrible. I just have higher expectations at myself. Like, I, like, get so pissed at myself, like, just whenever I do bad. Right. Like, I'll go into the trailer and start, like, like, throwing my helmet and stuff. Like, <laughs> literally nobody except, like, just me. Like, I just did bad, and I just get so mad knowing I could do better. But, honestly, Road Atlanta was the only good race we had, and then everything else was kind of bad luck from there. <laughs> Yeah, barber ECU problem and all that. It was bad. Like my ECU at barber had that ECU for three years now, never had an issue, and then it just just we rode the bike two weeks ago before the barber race. And my if I replicated my lap time, I did it at the track day. I would have got pole position by two tenths, and Ah. then my ECU dies as soon as we get to the race. There's
1: electrical issues, like it just wasn't firing up, or what was happening.
0: The calibration was off. It was really weird. Nobody has had this problem in the entire paddock, apparently. We had to figure it out. We had Bickney's dad literally at the pit until like 2 in the morning trying to figure it out. So basically, my ECU, like when it was level like this, my ECU was like, oh. And it thought it was like leaned over the whole time. Okay. So my bike was straight up and down. My ECU thought I was leaning to the to the left, like 45 degrees. And so, whenever I would go into Charlotte's Web, a super off-camera corner, and I would lean further left, my bike would think it was upside down, and then it would kill itself as, <laughs> oh, like, the no. fail-safe. Because, yeah. you know, it's in the gravel trap. You don't want to keep it running. So, when it's upside oh, yeah. down, it shuts up. So, when I'm on the track, it would, like, cut out. And I was, like, we didn't know what was going on without the fuel pump. We did three motor swaps in two days. It was we couldn't figure it out the whole time. And I just rode race one like that. And I tried as long as I could to not lean over, but then it just died. So, but we got a fix for race two, but then I wasn't there for race one and we didn't know gearing at all and all that stuff. But, but road America was honestly kind of my fault, just not going fast, but overall good race. We just got rammed literally out of a podium. I was third in a turn five and then Levy rammed me. And then Yandel rammed me a corner later. I went from third to like ninth in two corners. At least it didn't fall down, right? Yeah, I know. I honestly don't know how I didn't. Like (laughs) my entire left side of my suit literally looked like I crashed. Like it was scraped off. Oh man. Like entire marks. No, like my suit was just straight up burned off. Like. Like, just the paint, like, was gone. It was crazy. Like, and then I had some tire marks, like, on my shoulder pad. The plastic right here had tire marks there, too. And then Brainerd was going really good. It's just couldn't quite get a draft for qualifying. And then I was up there for the race, and then I got slammed into and then got taken out of the race. But that's just racing incident. Is what it is kind of thing. Yeah,
1: the uh the junior cups are they're gnarly. Like they're everybody's so close and uh you're all it's like big pack racing nowadays. Like the draft is so important. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. Like I w- I was leading practice for ten minutes, I believe, and staying like in the top three the entire time until we like practice we just took as practice and made a bunch of setup changes like we weren't even trying to go for a lap time and i still ended up like fifth which was really good and then qualifying i literally led qualifying for 15 minutes and then i was p2 for the next five minutes and then on the last lap i went down to seventh oh man (laughs) because everyone got a crazy draft
1: that's frustrating
0: i know that kind of sucked but i was like it's brainer it's whatever i'll pass everybody on the straightaway anyway by the time we get to Turn one yeah so, brainer is it
1: interesting, interesting it's like an old school racetrack that they haven't really used i mean it's coming back on the schedule the last couple of years but it was off of it, the pro schedule for a long time
0: oh yeah i honestly love the track i love the layout it's just like a club track kind of thing like super bumpy the paddock sucks Like, we have to have people at hot pit, and then I have to have my pit board people go, like, somewhere else. Right, Like, they're not in the same place. So, I can't even talk to my dad mid-session or anything like that for, like, setup or what I need to do and stuff. But I honestly like the track. The layout is super fun. Like, the infield, I was... Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, on the infield, I felt really strong. Like, I was going significantly faster than most people. But I just, racing incident, things happen. You know, you can't have a perfect season. Sure.
1: <laughs> and now, um, what do you feel about the safety of that track? Because there was an incident last year there, right?
0: Yeah. Um, They did fix it. They put a plastic curbing, which I'm honestly not a fan of because the plastic curbing is more of a death trap than the actual turn. Yeah. <laughs> If it was actual curving, then it will be okay, but it's like plastic, so rubber and plastic don't exactly, like, grip. As soon as you touch it, like, you're done. Like, you're gone. And it's probably going to be a nasty one, too, because it's so small and fast, like, which sucks. The way they fixed it, like, could have been better, but it did fix the problem.
1: All right. So... Very good. And you still got but, a couple of rounds coming up this season,
0: right? Yep. Yeah. We don't know about New Jersey, honestly, but we're going to go to Pittsburgh because I love Pittsburgh. It was a good track for me last year. I was running, like, consistent laps by myself, catching the podium all by myself. So I'm a big fan of, and I just go faster at, like, the windy tracks and stuff, like, no straightaway kind of tracks. Yeah. Those tracks I tend to do good at, like Barber, I ran, yeah, that kind of thing. Barber, I ran a thirty-five-seven. Atlanta, I caught the front group by myself twice, and then Pittsburgh, I just did good last year, the first race. So I just love those tracks; they're super fun.
1: Yeah, it's like uh, riding a roller coaster at Pittsburgh.
0: Oh yeah, it's so tiring riding by yourself. Oh my god, I came back from race one last year, I was exhausted.
1: Yeah,
0: I was dying. Those S's just throwing your bike back and forth the whole time. I can't even imagine on like a super bike. That's crazy. It's
1: gonna go how how much faster a lap are the super bikes than the junior cup?
0: Oh, they're like 15 20 probably. Depends and, on the track.
1: Sure, and those those corners come up real quick.
0: Oh yeah, that's the honest. That's the other thing too about the super sport. I honestly feel more comfortable on it. Because the brakes on the 400 are terrible. You only got one rotor in the front, right? Yeah. We have to run stock brakes on our (laughs) 400s. Literally. We can change rotor, and that's it.
1: Well, they try to do that to to reduce cost, right? But it it also reduces performance.
0: Yeah. And safety, honestly. Because you can't, like... If somebody misses their braking marker, like the Ivan who took me out, like, there's just no chance. Like you can't stop at all you're breaking like so late and the brakes don't work that well yeah like on the twin and the super sport bike with the full brembos i feel so much more comfortable i can break so much later because i'm honestly an early breaker but on the bigger bikes i'm way better just because yeah. i feel more comfortable with the brakes i'm not as scared
1: that makes sense so uh you feel like you're going to be going doing more junior um sorry more Twins Cup or Supersport in the future?
0: Definitely Supersport. Because Twins Cup, it's just like, it doesn't really go anywhere. Like, you go from, it's just an extra step for no reason, really. Like, it's just more money, like, that we don't have. So, like, <laughs> why try it? We can build a Supersport bike and ride that for, like, two years instead of doing Twins and then Supersport. Because we can spend this next year getting data for the year after, because that's going to be the big it. thing.
1: Yeah, I gotcha. So I feel so like I can have to use practice as practice
0: and not gather data in thirty minutes and somehow race. Yeah,
1: I feel like the uh, the Twins Cup is a step in between the uh, the Super Sport and the Junior, but maybe it's just not needed. It's like a class that really isn't raced all over the world, right? It's just like only in America. Um yeah, that's thing, and twins.
0: Yeah, that's the thing too. Like it's just not really a thing. Like it's just a weird class. <laughs> yeah. Like just move up to a super sport and you have so much more opportunity. Like, and if you get good on a super sport bike, like you can go like to Europe or race that, like, do anything else. But the twin is just kind of like there and that's it. Now what are your thoughts on the baggers? uh honestly, they're like super cool, but every time they go out on the track, they oil the track every time every time. One of them <laughs> yeah, literally one of them explodes every single time and Junior Cup is always right after baggers. It ended my race last year at Brainerd. I hit an oil spot, and then I high-sided, but I saved it, but the chain snapped. So, Not but They're honestly super cool, and it brings in a lot of money for Moto America, I'm sure, because it's America, like, who doesn't like a bagger kind of thing, like your regular dude coming out to the races. So I'm sure it brings in money, too, which is really good, because then we could go to better tracks and that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I, um, I worked at the Bagger Racing League as a track marshal, actually, in, um, was it, Wisconsin, I think it was, um, and there was a huge amount of crowd there, like, there was so many people that would have never gone to the race if it was just sport bikes. Uh, they had... Yeah, that's
0: what I'm saying.
1: <laughs> yeah, they had, like, flocks of people come in on their Harleys and Indians and all these different cruisers, adventure bikes, because the dealerships are now interested because of the harley crowd you know the harley crowd's like yeah let's go to the races that they would have never gone to before
0: yeah for sure that's the whole thing like it's just america that's just how it is like every like other person is like a harley like biker guy kind of thing sure and there's like a ton of them so it probably brings in a lot of money especially at road america and brainerd because brainerd is where indian is located at they're in minnesota and then Harley's literally like right next to Road America. Like, I think the headquarters is like an hour or two away. Yeah. Like, like, they're literally right there. Yeah. The That's why race. Road America has so many people for the baggers. They go crazy. Yeah. It's nuts.
1: <laughs> and they do some pretty impressive lap times out there on those baggers. they right up there with the Supersport guys.
0: Oh, yeah. They're crazy. I was talking to Max Flinders, who, who raced them at the start of the year. He honestly, uh, he said that it turns better than his R1, which is really strange. And you wouldn't think so at all, but it turns better than every other bike out there. That's wild. It's really weird. But he honestly said the hardest part about riding it is stopping because they weigh like 600 pounds. You can't stop.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're pretty hard to pick up once they fall down.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, the brakes, you're like, is it stopping or what? <laughs> Am I even hitting brakes? <laughs> but but they're honestly kind of cool. Like, full carbon and all that stuff, it's honestly kind of cool. I'm just salty that they oil the track, but they're yeah. still cool.
1: <laughs> they just needed to be better with their reliability.
0: Yeah. Yeah, those things are wicked, though. Those motors and just bike in general, it's nuts what they can do.
1: Yeah, and it was cool at the last round, you know, Josh Hayes getting his, uh, the um, what is it, 87th or 86th victory to push him ahead of uh, the, the record boards. Now he's the most winningest rider ever in uh, AMA, pro sanctioned racing.
0: Oh, yeah, that's that was crazy to see. And the way he did it, too, he literally destroyed everybody. It was nuts. Okay. Like okay. it wasn't even close. He literally won by like five or seven seconds or something like that. Yeah.
1: That's but, a like
0: I know, and all the like Chavi Forres, Rocco. I guess Chavi Forres is kind of a vet. Because he's 37, which I didn't know until like fairly recently. I thought he was like late twenties, maybe, but he's like almost 40. Yeah. But <laughs> the haze to destroy everybody for however old he is i have no idea isn't he high 40s like 48 or some crazy thing yeah
1: he's in his probably mid 40s i think he's uh you know i heard that he didn't really start racing until he was like 26 years old so imagine you having all this experience (laughs) since when you're two um and how much better you could be potentially with all that you know experience in your young younger days that he didn't have
0: oh yeah that's crazy too And he's going to do that for his kid, too. I saw him out there at the races already. He's going to be training him as soon as he knows how to speak words. Like, (laughs) I guarantee you.
1: Yeah, it's amazing how young children can be, or babies, really, and get on a motorcycle and do okay (laughs) at it.
0: Yeah, it's crazy, honestly. I was just out there on my little CRF50 training wheels, bells, like, out riding, which, like, helped me get a lot better, like, that's the reason I'm not going faster right now, too, is because of track time. I honestly like can't get much of it just because we don't have the money to like do it. Like this year, like I've ridden at the Motor America races and that's it. I've never touched a motorcycle in between any of the races. Not I literally now. just show up. and run. No, nothing. I did the one track day this year before Brainerd and that was it. That was literally it. I've never touched a bike in between any of the rounds.
1: So what is it that you need to, uh, to get to the next step in your career? Is it finding more sponsorship? Is it um, doing more training at home? Like what kind of things are you trying to work
0: on? Well, I'm doing a lot of training at home now too, because I just have a fitness coach that helps me a lot. And I have a buddy who I like to train with. So that's super nice because it's honestly hard to go to the gym by yourself but when you have a buddy like yelling at you one more rep it makes it fun
1: yeah
0: like we'll be there for like two hours just like messing around the whole time like like we're actually training but it makes it fun too sure because then honestly with the buddy there it makes it easier to get to like absolute failure like because he'll say, like, one more, like, come on, dude, one more, like that kind of thing. And then you need to reach, like, absolute failure. Sure.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of different thoughts of uh, how to work out. And if it's working for you, keep doing it.
0: Yeah, I'm doing a lot of endurance type things. Like when I work out, like 15 to 20 reps, like 15 reps minimum kind of thing. And I do biking and cardio a lot. Biking and cardio, man. I'm so smart. I meant biking <laughs> and running. Um, Like I try to get up every morning and run. And then I'll go to the gym later. And I might get on the bike or stair climber. Honestly, whatever I'm feeling that day. Do you have but mostly bike and of, running. Do
1: you have a certain amount of miles you try to do per week or t- per month or biking and running?
0: Usually I do like how much do I do? I think around five miles a day. Cause I'll do like just a quick mile in the morning. It's no impressive feat. Like I'm not that good at running. I just kind of do it to like try and help myself, but I'll do four, three or four miles on the bike, depending on how much time I have usually. Nice. And are so are it's like, not that uh, much, but as long as it's consistent, I think it's okay. Yeah. Are
1: you doing like uh mountain biking or road, road, uh, road riding on the skinny tire bikes?
0: uh no i wish i'm just doing like stationary bikes right now but i want to do my dad wants to go out and do some mountain biking we did it with a buddy of ours who has bikes and he let us borrow some it was so fun i was terrible but (laughs) it was still fun sure yeah i got into uh i want to do road bikes but it's so dangerous honestly like my parents don't want me to do it because we live in the suburbs or like getting hit by a car getting hit by someone because like like not even trying to sound cocky or anything but like i'm a racer like i'm aware of like most of everything kind of thing
1: yeah
0: and like i've seen like you know just like car crash reel on like instagram people just like can't like process like when they're crashing or something or something goes wrong like a racer can like any other racer in Mot america can like be like hit the brakes dodge or something like that but just a normal person never does stuff like that, and if something goes wrong, like Nikki Hayden, like yeah. it's game over. Just because I was trying to work out,
1: it's scary, man. It really so, is. People are terrible drivers for the most part.
0: Um, it, yeah, I know. Mountain biking seems good though, like because you're, you're by out the forest, or well, I don't know if yeah.
1: you have forests in Texas, but you know you're out in the in the trails at least. Um, but you know, anytime I I do road road riding, um, and I do mountain bike. Um, when I go out, anytime I go out, um, I do feel that there is a little bit of a risk when you're riding on the road, because um, the sidewalks are going way too fast and they're too bumpy to ride on most of the time. So I do ride in the road, but anytime I ride, I make sure I have a headlight, a tail light, and I actually have like a, I don't know what you call it, like a vest with lights on it. Um, oh, like a um, reflective vest? Yeah, it's kind of like, uh, it just pulses light. Um, in different colors. Okay. So like, if you don't see me, you're not even looking at the road. Like it's, it's uh, obnoxious uh, amount of light. And so yeah. with that, I do feel a lot safer. Uh, now, you're not, you're never going to have zero risk. You know, there's always going to be somebody who's just, you know, has a medical emergency, like some rare instance or runs a stop sign, even though, but yeah, I, I do feel like uh, that's how I'm going to go. That's how I'm going to go. Right. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. And we have a, a BMX track, like a world class BMX track, literally 20 minutes from my house. So we'll do that sometimes, too, for fun. I don't do that that much, but like a couple times a month just for fun to go out there and go race and stuff. I enjoy BMX a lot. It's yeah, super fun.
1: I know a really good buddy of mine started in BMX and he became a really good road racer. So it's like I think the two are a little bit connected.
0: Yeah. Cuz the bikes like bicycles that's the only way I can like do anything honestly. Like cuz I can't the closest I can get to riding is sitting on my motorcycle in the garage. So <laughs>
1: Yeah. You know um I got into mountain bike racing as well. And actually won a championship in in Michigan. Um I think that mountain bike racing is great and that you're using bike control, you're going up and down hills, you're, you know, getting <laughs> you're rubbing trees sometimes and other, uh, getting really close to other people, competitors. And, you know, it's not the same. You don't have a throttle, but um, you're using braking. You're turning real hard. The conditions are changing from sand to dirt, to rocks, to, you know, tree roots and all these things. And I think it's a really good uh, way to train. You're also, you're, you know, getting that cardio up and uh,
0: fighting with other people. Yeah. yeah. I, I like mountain biking, It's really fun, honestly. I thoroughly enjoy it, and my dad does too. Well, he enjoyed it more with his like e-bike because yeah. he complains yeah. about being old and fat all the time, so he uses his e-bike. But he like just likes mountain bikes. He, we want to get dirt bikes, but things cost money, so can't really do that. Mountain bikes are like fairly cheaper, so it's realistic. Oh, my God, my voice just died. They're fairly <laughs> realistic, but... Dirt bikes would be the dream to get, like, honestly, because they're just super fun. And I would get to race all the time because I have like three tracks within like an hour radius. So, like, I could literally just go train like whenever I wanted to.
1: And would that be more like motocross with jumps or like flat track, um, like staying on the ground more?
0: No, there's not really any flat track. Oh, wait, that's not true. I have there's a, the Colin Edwards camp is like, this like three here. hours yep it's like three hours from my house but i've never been out there i've never done flat track in my life never tried it i need to i know i need to It'll make me so much better never tried it though yeah
1: i mean though they're on like what is it the one twenty 100 cc's it's kind of like the ideal training tool because um you can push the front yeah. save it slide it um learn where the grip levels are and it's really relatively very low risk and you're staying on the ground, you're not going to hurt, you know, break your leg from jumping off thirty foot gaps and all that stuff.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Probably just stick to motocross. Plus I have my dad too, to like coach me and all that stuff. Cause he was a pro. So that would be very helpful. He'll probably still smack me around till the end of time, <laughs> Yeah, but it'll be a good training tool, especially in the Texas heat too, to try and ride for that long. Like, Try not to pass out, but it'll still be a good training tool. Yeah. You know, I think that right now I'm um, at 104 outside and it's not helping at all. Right. Well, you get it's
1: like a free sauna.
0: Yeah. Oh, Just my God. Outside. You're telling me. Dude. Yeah, I've had that free sauna for like two weeks. Now I'm getting tired of the sauna. I don't want it anymore.
1: So you're in, uh, is it Round Rock, Texas?
0: Yep. And you've been living It's there like in- 30 minutes north of Austin. Okay. Have you lived there your whole life? Yep. We've literally never moved. Okay. Same same house. Bought the house when I was pregnant. Like never moved. Just been there my whole life. And that's what sucks for training too on the road bikes, too, because it's like a suburb area. So like there's literally cars like everywhere. So Uh that kind of sucks too. But but mountain biking, there's a couple, like, trails. It's not really, like, a forest, per se, but there's trees and trails and that kind of stuff. Nice. Yeah,
1: um, I just actually moved from Michigan to Las Vegas in January. So I've been out here for about eight months now. And, uh, yeah, it's, like, the same temperature. It's, like, 106 today, pretty windy. Um, oh my God. But, uh, yeah, last last couple of weeks, it got up to 116 degrees in the desert out here. It's, like, it's wild. Um. So I, I understand your pain. It's, uh, it's very hot. Um, I like the heat. I moved out here on purpose for, uh, for actually a racing uh, coaching job. I work as a racing coach for exotic vehicles, uh, sports cars. Right now I'm working with um, Ferrari, Lamborghini, Porsche, Nissan, and Aston Martin. And I'm being trained right now for the next tier for tier three, which is Audi, Corvette, Shelby, and Acura. So coaching in the right seat most of the time, um, and having drivers you know um, in the left seat in the driver's seat, and coaching them around the track, telling them when to shift, when to brake, what to do, techniques, you know, when to accelerate, uh, what where to be on the track. Um, some people they call it more of a driving experience than a racing school, uh, but we're teaching them the same concepts just in a condensed period of time. Um, most people it's their first time ever on a racetrack, and uh, they're like. Oh, do do I have to break? I'm like, please, please break. Um,
0: <laughs>
1: and we actually have a, a, a brake fitted in every car on the right side also. So uh, like yesterday, I had a guy, um, there was a bit of a language barrier, but I spoke his language too. Uh, so there's no excuse there. And uh, he was just not braking. I'm like, sir, please break. Uh, I'm braking for you. This car does not have automatic brakes. I am, I am doing that. Can you break next time, please, in turn one? um you know so there's a lot of that going on but um then we do get people out there who are racers uh who are we get guys from formula one sometimes and and all different series come out there celebrities it's it's a really cool place to work I I really like it
0: that's crazy I honestly enjoy car racing like a little bit myself like I can't actually do it but I've been playing iRacing a lot and it's one for one, I've heard from everybody. To car racing, I enjoy it a lot. That's I. Everything I do, like in my off time, it's either working out or like some like racing video game. It's literally like like all I do. I just enjoy it, honestly.
1: Yeah, I mean, i racing is great. I use a, a similar game called Assetto Corsa Competizione on my simulator in my oh, living yeah. room. Um, very similar thing. So. Uh, I actually know a guy who won an iRacing championship. I podcasted with him, Swelio Alameda, um, and he went from the simulator winning online to getting a real uh, a seat in a car and ended up winning in that same year, the first season, winning races. So it is extremely um, similar from your simulator rig to real life driving. Now, obviously, you're not going to have the G forces. You're not going to have the risk in your in your sim rig there's no reset button out there, but yeah, the concepts are the same. The grip levels are, um, the grip level models are very, very accurate and that force feedback is what you kind of feel. So it's, uh, it's a great training tool. And for iRacing for you, you can, you know, purchase whatever tracks you want. Um, the tracks you're going to go to, you can try them out do 7,000 laps before you even show up and know where the racing line is. And that's so valuable. You're saving tires, you're saving time and you're learning. Um, I'd recommend any racer to to do these simulator rigs,
0: um, and uh, you'll Im- improve. Yeah, honestly, I've been enjoying myself some short course right now, just kind of messing around because it's, like, fun to race, not as much errors. That's what I do with my buddy. But I'll do some road stuff. I've been doing the, the GT3s, the Ferraris. Yeah. The Evos those are so fun because they just had one at Spa last week it's so fun
1: <laughs> yeah there' and uh, it's cool from car to car the cars feel so different right they all have different characteristics different uh, grip levels they might oversteer or understeer or just have different power band deliveries so it's cool to check them oh, all okay. out and try different cars and like try to get good in the Ferrari then go to the Porsche and like this drive's so different like I gotta adapt now.
0: Yeah, I'll like go from the Ferrari to back to the Mazda. Oh my goodness. goes <laughs> from like way oversteer and then it's like complete understeer. Like I'm brake tapping to try and get it to like pitch or drift okay. or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like trying cool. to get it to do anything. And then I go in the Ferrari and immediately spin. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I need to get used to this again. Yeah, but that's, so- that's all I do, man. I love racing, honestly. Yeah, and-
1: and so going from, I, I really come from more of a motorcycle background. Um, so it's cool going into the cars now and, you know, trying to adapt my, my coaching knowledge from bikes to cars. It's extremely similar. Really, on in, in a, in a car, you have steering angle. On a bike, you have lean angle. But it's the same concept. It's like once once you're at full lean and you're reducing the lean angle, that's when you should be accelerating, right? When you have all the steering angle, once you're re- reducing unwinding to straight, that's your cue to be accelerating. You know, if you do it before, you're going to be understeering on a bike or a car, and it's and um, you're going to be going wide. So just wait until you're unwinding or reducing that lean angle, then you can accelerate. And for people, they just don't generally understand that concept. Most people are mid corner, tons of angle on the car. They want to punch the throttle. I'm like, please don't do that. <laughs> like if you <laughs> add, add lean angle or add steering angle and you add throttle at the same time, that's generally called a spin or on a motorcycle, a high side,
0: right? Yeah, yeah. I've been thoroughly enjoying it. I've been getting more in, into it now. Honestly, I have a of Corsa too, just not the new one, just the regular one. I've yet to try it though. Um, but I honestly love messing around on the car stuff. It's really fun. Yeah, it's a lot of <laughs> like, fun. And I would
1: say you can probably get in a car with all your knowledge. Um, if you got with the right team or improved your skills on the sim um talk to the right person I bet you they give you a shot in the car
0: oh yeah like I'm not like a demigod or anything I'm not that good at high racing. like I can get pretty close like on the short course I was I was just over a second a second and a half away from the pros so not that far off but like not enough to like go for it because a second and a half on a short course is a lot. I don't know how they're even doing that.
1: <laughs> it's like, where are they finding this time?
0: I know, it's crazy, but but I've been thoroughly enjoying iRacing. I, I enjoy it a lot. Just road and then dirt road. I'll do some uh, rally on the Beatles as well. That's fun. It's harder for me, though, because I don't have an actual, like, handbrake. I just have, yeah. like, a button yeah. on my steering wheel, so I can't feel my handbrake at all, so I just kind of, like, mash the button and hope it goes well.
1: <laughs> Understandable. Maybe it sounds like you need a little small upgrade.
0: Yeah, I know. My current sim setup is my pedals are duct taped to a box so they don't <laughs> lift when I hit the brakes. Yeah. And then I have a bean bag shoved behind my chair so it doesn't roll.
1: <laughs> hey, run with what you're wrong, right? I know.
0: <laughs> that's, that's all I got, man. <laughs> like, I want to get a handbrake and then I've actually been looking at the new SF-1000, the wheel yeah. from Fanatec, I think. But that thing looks really nice, honestly. Direct drive, twice the force feedback as the Logitech for only 250 bucks. It's not bad. That seems like a steal.
1: That's a great price point. You know, I have the Fanatec as well. I have the DD-1 a wheelbase with the F1 wheel and then the V3 inverted pedals. Um, And it's oh. actually more force feedback than you even need. It's more than real world application so it's like i need to turn down the force feedback because it's like 22 newton meters or something like that but i think it should be around 13 or 14 depending on the car
0: yeah it's crazy i've seen like some f1 like drivers like esports drivers literally i saw one guy like bent his pinky backwards when he hit the wall oh yeah like it's crazy
1: yeah, you gotta watch yourself because if you lose control of the wheel, you better take your hands off of it. Don't even try to grab it again because you're gonna hurt your hand. Yeah, I've done it before.
0: Yeah, mine's not that bad. It's only a T two four eight for the okay. Thrustmaster. Yeah, it's just it's like a slight step above the Logitech, but that's it. Yeah, and like most, of and the it's coaches... really nice because it has a stiffer brake spring as well that I put in. That's super nice. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Most of the coaches who work at, um, who work with me at the speed at the track, um, they almost all have simulator rigs at home because it's such a great training tool. And one of my buddies, he actually has the, uh, I'm not sure what you call it, where the whole thing tilts and rotates with the, with the car. Um, oh my God. <laughs> and three screens. Like I'm just using one screen for my TV. Um, but he's got the three screens set up and like the, the curved monitors and everything. It's like, This is next level.
0: Oh, yeah. My buddy is really good that I play short course with. He has, like, this, like, 50-inch, like, curve monitor in front of him. And, like, he just has a regular Logitech, surprisingly. But he was about to get his pro license in NASCAR. And then he just kind of gave up for some reason and doesn't care that much. But he's still really fast, honestly. Like, on oval, he'll destroy me. I don't know how he does it in an oval. It's so weird. Yeah.
1: So, right. um, so um, I wanted to talk about some of your your supporters, your sponsors. Uh, who are some of the people who are on your team this year?
0: Uh, my teammates, uh, or team members, like I guess the whole category. Damien is my teammate. He's an old Junior Cup rider. He rode Junior Cup back when Dallas Daniels and Rocco were in Junior Cup, like twenty nineteen. So he's been here before, done a couple of things, that kind of thing. And then the rest of my team is honestly just like older guys, just doing it to do it kind of thing, just to pay the bill for Dustin. But they're all super nice and all that. I love those guys. Honestly, if you know, Stephen Shakespeare out there, yeah, I, love yeah. so <laughs> awesome. I love that
1: guy. He's so funny. He's
0: awesome. I love that. And then Mike Boyce, he's, He's, like, this rich guy that, like, sponsors the team just to do it. He, like, never qualifies, but he's, like, he's, like, a saint. He's awesome. He's just, like, super nice all the time, like, always smiling, having fun. Yeah. That kind of thing. And then we got Jeff Bean. He's trying to get better, but he's, like, around 20th in twins, like, which is not too bad, but he's on an FZ07, so it's not good. It's, like, the slowest bike out there, but he's trying to get better. But Damien's probably the actual teammate that was riding the super sport bike. And he's a good resource teammate. We can talk about the track and all that kind of stuff. Honestly, the biggest help has been Dustin. Because he's just like a super fast racer. So he can give me tips on riding and setup. Like he's a wizard. It's crazy. It's awesome. And then... It's just my dad and my grandpa that do all the mechanic work on it because we've just been doing it for so long. We got our system going and all that stuff. Like, we already know what we're doing, that kind of thing. And for are, Super Sport, we'll probably have a team around us because we have no idea how that kind of works. But the 400, we've been around it forever.
1: And are you working on the bike at all or are you just riding the bike, don't touch the bike?
0: Uh, I normally don't touch it, but... This last weekend, it's not like I don't know how to do it. I just don't, really, because my grandpa's there. But my grandpa wasn't there at Brainerd, so it was just me and my dad kind of trucking it, you know? Like, and then the team will obviously help, like, when there's, like, a major problem when you get plowed into and it bends your subframe. Like, we had a bunch of people helping us then. But, like, we're not doing that much. We're just changing a chain or clutch, something like that. Basic kind of stuff
1: unless you need to do three engine swaps in a weekend and then that's a lot of work. right?
0: Oh, oh yeah. We had like everyone on that. Like we had Bickney's <laughs> dad, our whole team, like Max van's dad was helping out a little bit. Like we had everybody on it to try and like help. And we still had no idea what to do after all the motor swaps.
1: And uh, you know, some people are just wizards with the wrench and some people, you know, take a week to change an engine. So what's, what's the time, for a race team to change an engine typically.
0: Uh depends on the race team but for a reference for us, uh we had our warm up was at 10:40 I believe. Whatever the Sunday schedule is, I think it was 10:40 and then I go out at like 2:55. I think for 3:10 is when the lights go out and it said pit lane opening in 5 minutes and we were still putting fairings on. So <laughs> Like we were literally like screwing on our body work like at five minute call, Wow, and like putting on our body work. So it was tight. It was real okay. tight.
1: couple hours then,
0: yeah, it was about four, probably. okay, yeah, that's, that's about bad. four. Yeah, yeah. for like only a couple people, it was like three people that were doing it. like like that's pretty good. <laughs> We've been around that bike so many times. And my dad's pretty mechanically inclined, too, because he never had money, like, at all, like, racing. Like, he literally rode Supercross, like, in the back of his van. He would just live in his van. He didn't have a house or anything. He would just live in his van and race, like, so he did everything himself. Like, he knows how to do everything. Like, he's not, like, the fastest ever. He likes to take his time, but he can, like like rebuild whole forks and like motors and clutches and transmissions he knows how to do all that that's really it's all the same
1: know. yeah it's, it's helpful definitely really helpful to have
0: oh yeah it's super nice he just he just knows everything like about the bike because it's a motorcycle like dirt bike street bike it's all the same like it's right. a motorcycle okay it's not that different
1: right just different application dirt versus pavement yeah so, exactly
0: uh, but that's been super nice.
1: So who are some of the sponsors that you guys have on your team? I know you have like Blood Lubricants is one of them.
0: Blood Lubricants is a good one because they make a 020 uh, weighted oil, which is super nice. So it means more horsepower out of the bike. That's what we've been using for the season. It's actually really good. We didn't know how Blood was, honestly, because they're like a newer company, American company. We didn't know if it was going to be super high quality, but. It's been super nice. I know like like three or four people that all run it in like podium, like Bickneys and me, and like I think Avery runs it, I believe. And crease. So it's does its job. It's really nice. Cause we were running Motul, but Blood has been helping us out a lot. It's super nice. And they're active on social media. Hmm. So that's really nice.
1: Good. And uh any other partners that you guys have on the team for sponsorship?
0: Uh, we have the Cupcake guys who sponsor me. It's this ex-football NFL player who <laughs> opened a cupcake shop, Michael Griffin, if you know the name. But he's he's been out to a bunch, just doing track days and whatnot, got into motorcycles. And he doesn't give us anything, but he gives us, like, a big chunk of money, which is, like, awesome. <laughs> Super nice, because we would have been finished a long time ago without it but he's super awesome to talk to and all that stuff and he's a professional well he was an NFL player for like a decade so he's got the athlete mindset he was helping me with like my tv stuff and just like the like right frame of mind kind of thing like mindset when I go into races and that kind of thing because it's the same it's just sports like it's all the same really like right. how you approach it with your frame of mind. You got to have confidence, but not blind confidence kind of thing. Like, you, you know, you can go out there and win, but like, don't like be super cocky about it kind of thing.
1: Sure. Got to be humble.
0: Yeah, exactly. But but then we also got uh, an anonymous sponsor too who donated a lot of money. That was super nice. Like saved us at Brainerd. He gave us a huge chunk of money, so that kind of saved us because <laughs> we had like two grand. and We were about to drive across the country and race a motor America race, so that was not going to fare well. <laughs> but he really clutched up for us, and it was awesome. And then we got taken out anyway. But ah. you know, stuff happens, man. that's how it goes. But yeah, I know. Like I've taken people out before. Like mine was worse. At a club race, I took JC Camacho out. He's racing stock 1000 this year and he's gotten top 10 every race. And before the season, I crashed in front of him and he broke both of his collarbones and four ribs because ah. I crashed in front of him. So that was, I was freaking beating myself up after that one. <laughs> I bet. felt so bad. It was just like wrong place, wrong time. Like he went to get the drive on me going on the front straightaway and then I front tucked right in front of him. And so he just, like, ran me and my bike over and then, like, freaking smashed the pavement. So... Russian sucks, But, yeah, I know. It is what it is. It happens to everybody. Everybody's done it, so... yeah, I can't be that mad about it. But, basically, we just have a bunch of sponsors that give us money, and then Spears, he's probably the biggest one, honestly, because he gives us a bunch of free stuff, just straight up, and he's... Like, super helpful with the races because we're like short on funds. So it's like a week before the race, and we're like, okay, we can buy parts now. And then we buy like everything. Yeah. Like to help save us for like two races or something. And you're like, don't worry, I'll send it right to the track. And it's like there, ready to go. Like, we always have our clutches and brake pads just sent to the track because that's just when we get paid. Yeah. So. And so, and then um, we bought our two by two, so contingency will be very helpful
1: as yeah. well. Um, and so, what would you estimate the cost of a typical season being, you know, you're doing what is it, 10 rounds for the class? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Depends what you do because it's a lot cheaper by yourself. But last year, Pure Attitude, it was 110000 for the whole year, Just like to total off. spending. Yeah, just to do all the races and like have like change a clutch and chain every race so it doesn't go out like that basic stuff. Like everyone does it, like changes like chains every race because they like are super small. They the max runtime is like eight hours, I think. Wow, on our trip, yeah, and then they just straight up snap. Like, I Got mine off at Brainer because we ran it for Road America and the track day. It was literally like a bowstring, like it was so curved. Yeah, they lose their tension like, after a while. Yeah, like if I rode on it for like another hour or so, it would have snapped probably. Wow, like it was about to go. That's like amazing. the pins were like bent in between the links and stuff. Like it was about to go. It was on his last leg.
1: When you're putting so much torque on that chain for for so long a period of time.
0: Yeah, it's just because we run the smaller chains, because the 415 chain, it's the same chain they use on, like, KTM 65s, like dirt bikes, the little (laughs) bikes that, like, 10-year-olds ride. This is less weight,
1: right? Less weight, less mass. Yeah,
0: Yeah. I think it's about one or two horsepower, like, just going from the 520 to the 415 chain, I believe, something like that. I believe it's two, but... Take everything I say with a grain of salt, because <laughs> well, it's like that
1: concept. <laughs> I don't you know, um, you want to have a machine that will perform perfectly at its optimal performance until it crosses the finish line and then it breaks. Right? That's the idea.
0: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> basically.
1: <laughs> um, just running on those fine margins as low as possible, um, and then fix it.
0: Yeah, and then two other sponsors too that I have to. A shout out are definitely Bison have been, they've been helping me for like three years. They're super helpful. Rob and Tasha are like amazing people. They're super nice. Like I crash and Rob will like repaint my suit and like make sure everything's good to go. Like the lights work and all that kind of stuff. Like super awesome. And then Rye has been like really helpful, especially after my last crash because I got a concussion. I like landed straight on the back of my head and got crazy whiplash Hmm. and like definitely a concussion. Like, but it was fine because I remembered the whole thing. So I knew I was fine, but just rest for a couple of days kind of thing. It's been weird just sitting there because I can't like work out or like play games or anything. I literally just have to like sit there
1: yeah,
0: and like maybe watch TV or something. Because I definitely knew I got a concussion. It was really weird. I've never had it before like this. Like, we were just on the road back, and I, like, ran across the parking lot just to take a whiz, and my head just started throbbing so bad. Like, it started going black. Like, it was weird. All I did, just from, like, bouncing up and down kind of thing. So, but my helmet, like, cracked on the back, like, cracks, like, that big, probably, like, three inches, four inches long probably on the back of my head so completely unusable like i could have shattered it if i threw it at the ground wow
1: yeah (laughs) but a ride hooked up
0: with a brand new helmet so that was awesome
1: and what model of of helmet are you using for the for the ride
0: uh the new corsair x i believe it's called nice i think that's what it is i can't remember the exact name i think it's the corsair x okay yeah but it's awesome, super nice. Honestly, I've ridden Shoei before and AGV. I like AGV. The Field of Vision is the best, definitely. And then Shoei is just a good, like, all-rounder, like, checks all the boxes kind of thing. Good Field of View, fairly comfortable. But Arai is, like, the most comfy helmet I've had. Like, not even a sponsored thing. Like, Arai's are just so comfy. You can't see as much, like, at the top up here but they're so comfy. It's awesome. Like it's so plush around your head. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um,
1: different brands fit different head shapes too. So some, some helmet might not fit your own personal head. uh, So you got to find one that fits you.
0: Yeah. I've tried Bell as well when I was little, but my head shape was not working with it. It would like push on the side of my head and give me a headache by the time I went off track. So we had to get rid of that. Sure.
1: So what do they do now for concussion protocol at the track?
0: Uh, just get checked out. It depends how bad it was, because I came over there, and, and they, like, did their standard questionnaire kind of thing, you know, just car Price, the medic, just standing there, did a little questionnaire thing, like, can you remember it, where are we at, like, all that kind of, just basic questions. Okay. But, um... And I passed all that, like, did all that. So they were less strict about it for me because I remembered the whole crash, everything that happened. So I knew I was fine. Like, I knew it was okay. If I didn't remember the crash, that would be bad. Then something is majorly wrong.
1: Sure. Yeah. I had uh, but I had one crash in particular that uh, I didn't remember it. Um, I woke up in the ambulance. And that's never a fun thing.
0: Oh, yeah. I did that at the pump track. Like on the trails, there's like this pump track in the middle of the forest. I'm like, dude, I'm gonna clear this jump. I got it, dude. This is so easy. Like, I've been clipping the rear every time, and I'm like, dude, I'm gonna clear this whole section. Went across the first jump, front tucked, and face planted right in the dirt. Oh, and like, I woke up like 10 feet away from where I crashed. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> I did not have it at all, <laughs> man. So, uh, but. They also have, um, like, I don't know what they're called. So I'm just going to call them concussion goggles. But it's like a VR headset kind of thing. And it has lights in it, like, different types of tests and stuff that, like, track your eye movement and that kind of thing. And you do it at the start of the year. And then when I got my concussion, they, like, compared it. And it was basically the same. So okay. it was fine. And they test, like, reaction time, eye tracking, like, like how well you can focus like there's one where there's a dot but then there's like a starry field behind it so you have to stay like focused on the dot and then the dot moves back and forth and then there's like a reaction time one so a bunch of different things they're still working on it like it's a prototype type thing but it still works now well good so I'm glad that really they're, good uh, tool that they're coming up with now
1: yeah i'm glad they're improving all that because uh concussions are scary you know it's that's uh, your computer if your computer goes off you're not coming
0: back. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing, too, because my mom's real worried about it, too. She's big, like, helicopter mom, like, safety. is <laughs> like, the whole thing kind of thing. But we had a buddy who had a concussion, and then he didn't get checked out for a day. And he went in the next day, and he has permanent brain damage now. So, Damn. always get that checked out. Don't sure. mess around with concussions. Yeah. You, like, broken bones or whatever, like, that's a thing except your back. That's bad too, but you'll survive if you break your arm or something like it'll be okay. But like you're either your back or your concussions, like check that out, like instantly, like yeah. they will ruin you like completely if you don't check it out. Sure.
1: So what is something that's on your mind today you wanted to talk about that we haven't covered?
0: Um, I don't know, honestly, just like We covered plans for next year, just like, I don't know. We kind of covered everything. Like, I told you what's going to happen, what's going to go down. But we're seeing if we can find some sponsors and stuff for next year. We want to – probably the go-to at the moment is going to be a Ducati effort. That's what we want to do because I love that bike, 959 I rode. And – it was my favorite bike, honestly, and it's literally the V two, but with a different swing arm. So, probably Ducati for next year. We're gonna do lots of testing to like get a setup going, because it's really hard to get a setup on those, especially for like late race setups when the tire starts to go. That's where it really suffers. Like it starts to bounce and shake all time when you try. Yeah, but so- we're gonna try and make that Ducati happen next year. We'll see what happens. I want to run a Ducati. Just the power band and the whole bike, how it is, it's very stiff and smooth, which is how I like to ride. I don't like it to be very loose at all, like how the R6 is. And the 636 is fairly loose as well. But I'm not a huge fan of that. I like it to be, like, butter smooth and stiff. That's just how I like to ride, honestly.
1: And uh, do you have, if you could choose... Would you like to stay in the super sport for, I don't know, four or five years? Or would you want to try to immediately jump to the 1000 CC classes or the Superbike class as soon as possible? Like what's your, what's your mindset on moving up the, the rankings? Do you want to win the championship first or does it not matter so much? You just want to get a, up to the higher classes.
0: Um, honestly, it depends how it goes. Like super sport, Like, first year, just going to shoot for consistent top 10s the whole time, get solid data, like that kind of thing. Probably stay in super sport for at least two years, maybe three. Well, probably three, just to try and get good results the third year, like try and get podiums and that kind of thing. Because Junior Cup has honestly just been a pain in the butt for us, like, super difficult. And then they reduced the calendar, so that sucks. It's been helpful this year because we kind of ran out of money, but it still (laughs) sucks just because like it was a premier class and then it went to not premier class. So that kind of sucks. But Super Sport has a full calendar, which will be nice. And honestly, the main thing I would want to do is go to Europe more than anything. I'm going to try – I'm going to sign up for Red Bull Rookies this year and see what happens and go out there and see how it goes. We'll see what happens. I'm going to – I need a pro to sign off Sign off on it. But then once we do that, we'll be good to go. And then hopefully it goes good, but we'll see.
1: Isn't that interesting that you as a professional need another professional to sign off on you? You're already a pro.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. It's really strange, but – like an actual pro, I guess, (laughs) but but honestly dream for me, probably moto three. And then like go from there, like moto three, like I've made it, like, I don't care. I'll take it. A a win is a win. (laughs) So
1: how old are you now? 16, 16. All right. And so you're, you're still pretty young. Um, Where can people find you online? Where are you out there on the internet?
0: Uh, Chase Black Racing on Instagram or Facebook, or you can go to chaseblackracing.com dot com. You can donate, or I update my website and all that, so you can look there. And honestly, I've been tossed around the idea, but I don't know if much people will watch or anything like that. But I always play like my motocross game or i racing all the time, so I'm thinking of just like streaming that, cause then I'll have stuff to post on Instagram. Cause it's hard to get followers for me and like get content because I've like nothing to post. I literally sit in my house the whole day, like, and do nothing. I go to the gym and that's it. Yeah. Like I don't have anything to post about, like, sure. I can do like way better. Like I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's just like sucks. It feels weird just to post about, like, I went to the gym and that's it. Like
1: that's literally all I do. I think the streaming is a great idea. If you're going to be gaming anyways for some training or for, for fun entertainment, just uh, turn the camera on, do a Twitch, do a streaming. Um, I've done that a couple of times, but I've really struggled with uh, the technology aspect of it. My computers aren't phenomenal, so it keeps dropping <clears struck me throat> off and it's like, oh, connection died again. Like, oh, I get frustrated with it, but I need to upgrade my computer and then I'll start you know, streaming my, my uh, racing games and things like that. You know, I think something to think about for creating content is just document. Don't try to create just like, yeah, just, this, this is what I'm doing today. I'm in the gym, post it, you know, and it doesn't matter how yeah. high quality it is. People are just following you because they like you or they like seeing what you're doing or, you know, posting uh, pictures and, uh, of your racing of just riding. And I saw you have uh, a bunch of really cool videos on Instagram of you riding at the track and stuff like that. It looks great. And, uh, I was just scrolling and I found this one guy doing a seminar on uh, creation of content. He's like, just because you posted something before, doesn't mean you can't post it again. Like recycle this content. People like seeing just like a song, you have a verse that's repeated three, four times throughout the song and it's okay. Uh, Cause you like that um,
0: consistency.
1: Um, now maybe you don't want to post the same thing every day for a week, but you know, you get what I'm saying. Just like, it's okay to repost things.
0: Yeah, that's the problem with, like, like, that's what I wanted to do the streaming stuff for, just some variety at all, because, like, like, the gym post will be good for, like, a week or two, and then it's, like, okay, like, everyone's just going to click past it, like, yeah. really. Like, they'll be good for, like, I saw a solid week or two, probably. Like, I need to start doing it. Like, I'm terrible about it, about Instagram, because that's how you get sponsors. I'm just terrible at that. I don't put Post anything i just like honestly like massive like introvert i just keep to myself the whole time like i have people i play with online but i just most of the time i literally like put on some music and i'll just jam out and play racing games or something like that's kind of all I do man
1: yeah understandable um so that's a little bit over an hour i believe i didn't put my time around but i'm pretty sure it's over an hour so uh is there anything
0: else you wanted to talk about before we end uh, end up today? Honestly, not really. I don't have anything interesting right sure. now to talk about. Hopefully, I will by the time we hit next season. And then, hopefully, all the stars are line. I'll be on a Ducati and I'll be like getting up there trying to show like Josh Hayes what time it is. So <laughs> we'll see what happens, man. Very good. But what, when is the next to race now, I'll try for to you? Keep up the Uh, two weeks, April, not April, Jesus, August 18th to 20th is Pittsburgh, which is a good track for me. I really like Pittsburgh. It's one of my favorite tracks that Atlanta and Barber are my best tracks on the calendar right now. So we're hoping for good things and we might race Coda as well, but I need to get my super sport license and a bike to ride because my 636 is a 2013, which is too old. I think, because it has to be within eight years. But we're pretty much out and done out of the championship now. That was my only goal, is to do good in the Junior Cup championship. But we're out of it now. But so we're going to race Pittsburgh and hopefully have a breakout race, see what happens, and, like, go out with a bang. Last race, probably. So sure. <laughs> make it count. And, and then so, maybe race COTA.
1: What does it take to get your Supersport license um, after being – you know, a seasoned junior club racer.
0: Yeah, you have to just accumulate expert points in super sport classes, like in club racing, just like any other thing, pretty normal stuff. Just get like good results in your local B class, C class kind of thing. And then you'll be good to go. The only problem we've had is that once I get my super sport license and race a super sport bike, I can't go back mid-season.
1: To the junior? Really? So, uh,
0: yeah, that's the main problem because I was going to do both. Well, there was no way that was going to happen with the money now because we had a sponsor not pull through at the start of the year. Mm. But that's what they told us at the start of the year. We couldn't do both. That was the problem. We can't do two premier classes, even though Junior Cup doesn't even do the full season, which is really strange. Huh, but I haven't heard of that. But that's the whole thing because we want to race Pittsburgh probably last race, make it count, just throw away the bike. We're going to get rid of it by next year anyway, just like everything's on the line. Go for it kind of yeah. thing. And then if we can somehow get a bike sorted for Coda, then we'll, we'll race that and that'll be our season because Coda's is my home track. I'm 45 minutes away from here. Oh, nice. So so I've ridden here probably most like than everybody like all the other super sport riders so i have a good feeling i can get a top 10 at least yeah here like i'll be good off the bat kind of thing because i've ridden a 400 600 959 i've ridden the v4 ducati here that was gnarly that was crazy (laughs) i i went like 205 on the back straight away because i was only 14 when i did it (laughs) so that was pretty gnarly but We'll see what happens. Hopefully we get some people to pull through, Ducati ride, and that'll be ideal scenario. We'll see what happens. And we're gonna try to get outside sponsors as well. Um, because Kyle, because nobody does it in Moto America, honestly. Like I don't see anybody else trying really, except Kyle Wyman. He was the only person who got an outside sponsor to sponsor like a race team because he had the Panera Bread sponsor. Like everyone else is like a racing thing or whatever. Like we could try and hit up like local companies and that kind of stuff. We've been looking at ghost energy maybe because I love the energy drinks. They're so good. Yeah. Like that kind of thing. But we're just going to throw it out there. And if they say no, they say no. Like nothing to lose.
1: Yeah. Just look at it as uh, look. We're providing a marketing service for you. Uh, This is all all the people we can reach. It's a whole new demographic for you rather than um this is what i want can you give me this right it's 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 like you're providing them a service of marketing and hospitality at the races and this experience for their employees and all this uh, type of business to business connections from blood lubricants and this energy drink company maybe they can work together in some way
0: yeah that, that's the whole thing <laughs> those energy would be a good one to have because it's mostly like younger people at the races. I feel like, cause it's motorcycles. You're not going to see like a seven year old dude for the most part. So, but that would be a nice market for them too. And we're going to try and leverage our TV coverage. Cause we're on like FS1, TV, FS2, like, and a bunch of other ones. I can't remember what the names are, but we're going to use those like two things to try and leverage our way into a sponsorship kind of thing like and that would be nice and then i gotta hopefully show for it and that would help a lot too if i got some results to show for it
1: yeah definitely um well sounds like you got a lot of stuff going on i wish you the best and today's uh you know august 7th so i'll try to get this posted before the pittsburgh round um i have three other podcasts i'm working on editing in the meantime so i'll try to get them out really quickly here uh, when I do, I'll share it. Um, uh, Make sure you share it as well so it gets as many eyeballs as possible.
0: Yeah, sweet, dude. I might boost it, too, and make a post, too, which would be nice. All right. Because that's what I've been doing, too. I've been doing the Instagram boost, and it's been helping. Nice. So.
1: Very good. Awesome, man. Well, uh, have a good day, and I'll talk to you soon. See you at the racetrack. Yeah, you too. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye-bye.